Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information, or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. A Zen master was visiting New York City, and he goes up to a hot dog vendor and says, make me one with everything. The vendor fixes a hot dog and hands it to the Zen master who pays with a $20 bill. The vendor puts the bill in the cash box and then closes it. Excuse me, where's my change? The vendor responds, change must come from within. (laughs) I tend to think that Jesus would have agreed. In fact, so much of his teaching aimed at this interchange of the human heart. Clean the inside of the dish, Jesus once said, and the outside will become clean as well. And as Jesus went about teaching about this interchange that God alone could work in the human heart, 90% of the time he did so in a gentle and patient way with parables and wisdom sayings and insight into the true meaning of the law. But then there's the other 10% where Jesus, metaphorically speaking, would take a bucket of ice-cold water and dump it on his sleeping disciples' heads. This is what we are dealing with in today's gospel, with Jesus' counterintuitive blessings and his knee-knocking woes. And I will attest, as one who is relatively rich and full and comfortable that the water feels cold and shocking at first. But I also know that if you and I can stay present and open and not run away, that this same water can feel deeply refreshing. Now, I don't know if I can get us there in 13 minutes, but I am going to try, and so let's dive in. Woe to you who are rich. Jesus speaks to the greed and lust for power that lives deep within each one of our hearts, a greed that whenever we give free reign blinds us to our true condition before God. Woe to you who are full. Jesus is clear that when our need for comfort rules our life and guides every decision, we will miss the kingdom of heaven in our midst. Woe to you who laugh. The Greek word translated laugh really means to gloat or to deride. Here Jesus speaks to the laughter of one who has competed for a limited resource with someone, won, and now takes great pleasure in the defeat of his opponent. And finally, woe to you when all speak well of you. Jesus understands that whenever our self-image or how we want other people to perceive us is the most important thing in our life, that our integrity and the well-being of our soul will suffer. Now here's the thing. 
there is absolutely nothing I just said that you don't already know to be true. I mean, this is pretty basic teaching that to give our greed free reign and to prize nothing more than our own comfort and to turn our life into a competition where laughing is synonymous with winning and where the vast majority of our energy goes into a game of impression management, we know how unsatisfactory and inherently unstable this particular way of life is, and we hunger for an alternative, for something more. And of course, that hunger for something more, this is what Jesus speaks to in today's gospel when he uses the word blessed. It is a Greek word that points to the highest possible state of well-being that we can experience, a deep, deep satisfaction that can still our restless, seeking heart. And it is a blessedness, Jesus says, that is not found in power or money or comfort or winning or respect, but rather in a kingdom where God demonstrates how utterly unimpressed he is with all our worldly games by embracing first the poor, the hungry, the sad, and the excluded by holding them up and saying to such as these belong the kingdom of God. You see, we have this wonderful thing in the Episcopal Church called the Baptismal Covenant. And part of this covenant entails a pledge to respect the dignity of every human being. And of course, we read that and we tend to interpret this as a pledge we are called to do for other people, which is fair enough. But what I hear Jesus saying in today's gospel is that when we buy into the lie that greed, power, money, comfort, winning, and respect are the keys to our blessedness, that no one's dignity is more disrespected in that choice than our own. Let's be very clear. The woe that Jesus speaks over us isn't spoken to some, but to all. And the blessing that God speaks over us is not spoken to some, but to all. God is not divided in God's essence, happy with some and eager to punish others. No, every word that Jesus speaks today is a word of deep love. But of course, how we experience that love will always depend on what we are attached to at any given moment, or perhaps on where we believe that blessedness is to be found and the extent to which we are seeking that blessing outside of the kingdom of God. And any parent, any parent can intuitively understand how this works, how parental love does not always feel like love to young children. For instance, a few weeks ago, my daughter Annie drew me a picture, and she presented that picture to me very, very proud. And from a place of deep love, I told her that the picture was beautiful and that she was beautiful, and Annie smiled, and 
She did a little dance, and she came alive, basking in my love. And to her, that love felt really, really good. Two hours later, she asked if she could have Girl Scout cookies for dinner. (laughs) And from a place of deep love, I told her no, she could not have Girl Scout cookies for dinner, that it wasn't nutritious. And do you know what she said to me? She said, Dad, that makes perfect sense. If I have cookies for dinner, it will ruin my appetite for vegetables. That's not what she said. (laughs) What she said with a furrowed brow and red cheeks and an inflated lower lip as she wagged her finger was, mean dada, mean dada, like a laser to my heart. But I want you to notice in these two interactions, absolutely nothing changed from my end. In both cases, it was love that shaped how I related to my daughter, a love that wanted her to develop well as a human being. But how Annie experienced my love was dependent on what she thought was the key to her blessedness in that moment. And in the same way, when our heart wants to feed on the metaphorical cookies of power, comfort, success, and self-image, Jesus' love may feel like a no or a woe in that moment. Because remember, we too have a Father in heaven, and our Heavenly Father is also concerned that we develop into people at home in the kingdom of God But as Jesus taught for this to happen, there is a change that must come from within. And that's why today's gospel is not about what we possess. No, Jesus' concern is always with what possesses us. With the values that possess our heart and shape how we live and shape what we think is true about God and where true blessedness is to be found. And so this week, here is your homework assignment. I want you to look inside, take stock, do an inventory of the values that clamor for loyalty in your heart. And when you do, if you are just a little honest, you will find a grab bag of egoic desires swirling around, a desire for power, for comfort, for success, a desire that your self-image remain intact, please know when you find that in your own heart that you are not alone and that it would be completely counterproductive and frankly arrogant for you to try to remove these things from your own heart. The change must come from within. And that interchange is always, 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 but only always the gift of God's Holy Spirit. And it is a change that takes time and understanding and trust in the mercy and timing of God. But that does not mean that we don't have some role to play in this process. And so I do want to give you three things you can do this week as you think about integrating today's gospel into your life. First, You can observe the values that Jesus speaks a woe over at work in your own heart. Please note the assignment is not to look for them in other people's heart. 
Doing that does not take courage, and it does not take imagination, but to observe these egoic values that clamor for attention in our heart, and to make a prayerful choice about which ones we can express in any given moment and which ones we cannot, and to find spiritual friends with whom we can be honest and who will hold us accountable to growing into people with integrity, that does take courage. And that's deep spiritual work that we're all invited to do. Second, fully occupy wherever you are in your life and pray for the values of God's kingdom to impact how you show up in that arena. The call here is not to do something different. It is to be a different person in the same place we have always been. We need teachers, CEOs, attorneys, priests, stay-at-home parents, mortgage lenders, financial analysts, doctors, entrepreneurs, any other job you can think of. We need people there who show up with the intention of representing Christ as best they can, even if our best always feels a little imperfect. And finally, we can see Christ, the one who spoke the words in today's gospel, the one who, though rich, became poor, the one who had power to turn stones into bread and yet hungered, the source of all joy who wept alone on a cross. We can see him hated and excluded and reviled, and know that all this Christ endured willingly so that God's woe is not spoken over any of us eternally, but only God's blessing. And when you find yourself discouraged, because we all get discouraged, asking the question, God, where's my change? Remember that the change will come from within as a gift of God's Holy Spirit, in God's time, in God's way. And knowing this to be true, we can then stand still and be present and let the chill of the water that Jesus dumps on your head remind you of your baptism, of who you already are, and of the blessing you already have, and that can never, ever be taken away. Amen.